Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Longevity Muscle Podcast. I'm Kenny, your host, and we are back for a part two with Nick Wright. If you missed part one, definitely go check that out first because this is a continuation. Without further ado, we're going to get right into the episode. Enjoy. And that was at the Guzman Classic, right? Yep, summer shredding classic. Yeah, 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 right on. And um, you kind of, you know, it's interesting because some people they compete, they want to like get a pro card and become a world champion and do that. And you did it for kind of other reasons, which I thought was really cool. I mean, obviously you had the channel, right? You, not yeah. that you weren't, not that at one point or another you weren't trying to be that guy. But what, what, when did you realize you didn't want to do, you didn't want to be a world champion and do it like that? Because I'm sure you did. You have that like in you instilled in you at some. Yeah, point? yeah. I- I remember in 2009, so I was in high school, senior year of high school. I remember I had done a couple of OCB shows and like an INBF show. And I, uh, I was just really amped to work my way up to like nationals. Like I can't remember what it is now, but like the equivalent of nationals for those natural federations. And then eventually make it to like my WMBF pro card and go to WMBF Mm. worlds or whatever. Like I was all about it hardcore in, in high school. And I think that's why my channel did so well. On top of just being the right time to start YouTube, um, my passion was just through the roof at that time for competitively. But probably around 2012, when I was I had just turned 21 years old, and that was when I was cutting for that Muscle Beach contest, and that was my last contest for seven years. That was when I realized that um, I no longer had aspirations for that, and it, it came back to what I said earlier, where I just started seeing things more realistically. I didn't have the body dysmorphia driving me anymore, the big orexia that wasn't driving me anymore. Um, and that's a bigger drive than most people realize. If you have some sort of complex with your body or insecurity, like that drives people more than they even realize. And so when that goes away and that's what got you started, a lot of that fire behind you kind of dies down. And then, like I said, I was, I had always sacrificed everything in high school for, for competing and stuff like that. I didn't care. Sacrifice relationships, social things, whatever. I think I was at a point though, like 2021 where I was really like for the first time, like kind of being like, Oh, you know, it's kind of nice enjoying some sort of a social life and focusing on other things. And then, so yeah, like when that relationship went to shit and uh, the bodybuilding contest prep played a part in that, that also made me look at bodybuilding with a little bit of disdain, even though it wasn't bodybuilding's fault, of course, but just right. me losing me losing that fire, seeing myself realistically finally in both good and bad ways. Good being like, okay, you're not small, dude. Like you're you're actually big now. You don't have to worry anymore. Also realizing at the same time, like, okay, you got to be realistic. You don't have the genetics for like pro card, natural or otherwise. Both those combined kind of made it so it's like, oh, I don't really feel that obsessed about bodybuilding anymore. Hmm. Um, and then again, mix that with like it just felt like more of a chore balancing it at that point in my life. So that was kind of like what made, what made me shift gears. And then I loved returning to it in 2019 and I loved returning to a hybrid version of it in 2018. I mean, I, I love it still, but um, at that point I was doing it more for like me and the content, not with right. aspirations to, for competition. Which makes sense on the contest you chose too. not nothing against the contest you chose. I just mean in terms of where that could lead to, right? As far as exactly right, yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's more a social gathering kind of thing, right? I, or maybe I got that wrong. I don't know because I no, hear no, Christian no, Guzman. No, you uh, no, you got it pretty. Like, that's that's essentially what I went for. Like what I did right. it for. Like it was a number of reasons. One, it was Christian's show, and like all my friends were out there. And two, it's like heavily publicized you know it's all over everyone's youtube channel and it's a big big deal view wise 
True. Not competitively, but view-wise, it's a big deal. So all those were like appealing to me. And then the big thing was I was very honest with myself. I knew I was not getting back into bodybuilding like at a serious level. I knew I didn't want to get my pro card or anything like that. I was going to do this one more time just to have a final hurrah with it. So I really, I didn't want to go and find some serious show to jump into, you know, gotcha. whatever the Federation would have been. I didn't want to, the, the Christian seemed perfect for the yes. reasons you said. And to give credit where it's due, like some of the competitors there are nasty looking, like in a good way. Like mm. some, like the guy who won the overall was looked phenomenal. So there's some really badass competitors that show up there. So like, it is a relaxed vibe in that sense. And you get some people that are brand new, never stepped on stage a day in their life. But then you get people that look really good too. It's actually, it, it held up pretty close to how any, I think, local level bodybuilding show is. Honestly, that's how it, even like a regional level bodybuilding show. So I, I got to give them credit. They, it was a great event in that respect. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, no, it looked, it looked like a lot of fun from the, the footage that you put out. And yeah. as far, yeah, yeah. And with regards to, you didn't, you never earned a pro card. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but for those listening, you landed the cover of a magazine like that. That yeah. was crazy back then. And as a natural too, and as a teenager. Right. Mm -hmm. So talk about that. Well, how'd that make you feel for the listeners? Cause yeah, it's, you've documented all this stuff on your channel, but Hey man, we want to relive some of these uh, epic moments. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, oh man. That, that was one of the coolest achievements for me at that time, for sure. So yeah, the context of it was this is back in, 2010. So magazines were still a big thing. Nowadays, fitness magazines are kind of like all online now. Yeah. I was the first, there had only been a couple of teens in the bodybuilding industry to make a cover of a fitness magazine. I think maybe like three at that time. And, you know, I don't want to make accusations whether they're enhanced or not, but I can safely say none of them competed in drug tested federations. So I was the I was like only probably like the fourth team to get on a cover, which is pretty cool in itself. But then I was the first team that competed in drug tested federations to ever get on a cover. I was the first natural team ever on a cover. So that was really, really cool. Yeah, that was epic. And that was at the time where you were, maybe, maybe I got the dates wrong, but you were also sponsored. You got like a sponsorship. I think it was RTN. Am I got that right? Yeah. Was that, yeah, yeah. Was that RTN, your first, yep. that was the first sponsorship, right? That was my first sponsorship. Yeah. That was Crazy. the first one. How do 2009. I, so 2009. And that was like, was that the time where you felt like, man, shit's moving? Like, this is crazy. This, what, what it turned into from, I think I remember a video. That's why. Yeah, 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 that. yeah. I, I, yep. So basically, I competed all throughout high school, 15, 16, 17, all the way up to my senior year. And then I graduated high school. And then the fall after I graduated, so I was 18, I was going to move on from bodybuilding. I was going to just hmm. focus on like trying to start like a car audio installation business with my friend and stuff like that. And then all my friends convinced me to like do one more show, this IMBF Monster Mash, because I've been wanting to do it for forever. And so I was like, all right, I'll do it. It's coming up in October. It's, it's only like, it's in Massachusetts. Let's do it. So I went and did it. And that's also when just by chance, I noticed my YouTube channel, which at the time I'd only been using to upload like posing updates and competition footage. I, I didn't care about YouTube at all. I used it literally just as like a file storage for myself. But I noticed like, oh my God, I can't remember the numbers now, but I was like, the channel's accumulated like a good amount of subscribers and views. I didn't right. even mean for it to. And I always loved public speaking and I was always comfy on camera. So while I started getting ready for this show, I was like, let me try interacting and filming stuff that's more interactive with this. And I had that idea, you know, so that's when I started filming like 
like the eating big series and things like that. And then it started catching attention. And that's when I realized what we said earlier, I was like, Oh man, I could actually like my, I switched my goal to becoming like the most well-known natural team bodybuilder at that time. That was my goal. And then, so I started the YouTube channel while I started prepping. And then I, I started getting offers for like to do photo shoots and then uh, yeah, everything started falling in place. It was crazy. So that show, the Monster Mash, I went on to win the teens. I got second in the men's division. It was a big men's division. It was like 12 guys. I got second place there. I went up and approached RTN at their booth. And I remember selling myself. I remember pitching it. I, I don't remember what the numbers were. I might only had like a million views worldwide at that point. But I think I was like, I run an online video series with a million views worldwide. Like just because the view sounded cooler than the subscribers did at that point, <laughs> right? But that's and, big. Um, Even back then, that was big, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, big. Yes, yeah, definitely. And they loved it. So that's that was the start of RTN. That was the start of traveling for shoes. That was the start of the YouTube channel. And so yeah, right when I was about to basically walk away from bodybuilding, doing that one show kind of just like sparked everything and kicked it all off. Bro, let's break down your mindset as a young kid at that time. It's like how important is like it to go after something? Because some people think they sit back. They're just like, this can be translated into all aspects of life, training, you want a physique, whether it's business, whether it's, you don't have relationships, how important is it to, because people might think, oh, Nick, Wright, He got, he was lucky or, oh, he started Mm -hmm. early or whatever it is, but it's not, it's yeah, there's some of that. And you did start early, but you worked, man, you put in the work, like you sold yourself to RTN, you you, like you put in work. So speak to that a little bit, because I think people need that mindset uh, reality check, you know? Yeah, you have to, you have to like obsessively apply yourself to something if you love it and want to do something with it. You have to. I, I see kids today that are the same age I was when I was doing it at 16, 17 years old, and there's just zero drive. And a lot of them have a lot of good talent that they could go far with, but there's just zero drive. Mm. And, and sadly, that's common. That's common amongst teenagers, especially here in America. Very common against teenagers, but it's unfortunate, man. Like, I wasn't even the hardest working person in the world, like, you know, but I I was working two jobs, sometimes three jobs at at a time during high school to make sure I could like buy my own car and all that and get around. And like, I had aspirations to have income. So I was working these two, three jobs in high school while dieting and while trying to build this YouTube channel. And then I was obsessively like, I remember I bring Tupperwares to like social parties at high school, social parties. I mean, how lame is that? But I was, I didn't care about lameness. Like, I, just I can relate, obsessed. man. Yeah, yeah, I was obsessed with this bodybuilding and, be- and becoming like really known in that arena. That's all I wanted. So I would, I had, we had culinary arts classes where we'd all make like amazing foods under the guidance of a teacher. And I would sit out at the end, we get to eat the food, desserts, everything. And I'd never eat a thing because I was always contest <laughs> prepping. Right. And um, people would make fun of me left and right. I had teachers making fun of me because I had a small, clicky school. So like, Teachers would make fun of me because I was so skinny. So everyone would be like, you, you bodybuild? Like, this is more when I first started. Okay. They'd be like, you, you bodybuild? Like, you don't look like a bodybuilder. And people at parties <laughs> would, like, make fun of me. I couldn't get a word out edgewise. Everyone would just roast me. Roast me left and right. But still didn't shy away from it. Still stayed doing everything I was doing, filming myself because I was just, like, obsessed with where I wanted to take it. And I'm glad I did because after high school, it's like the people that would make fun of me, like, a lot of them ended up, I, I saw them following my, my page, my Facebook page and stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Crazy. It, it was crazy how the tables turned. So you, you absolutely have to obsessively dive in. It's man. The saddest thing in the world is when a kid gets caught up worrying about fitting in with his classmates and fitting in with whatever the trend at school is and 
getting lazy and not pursuing something he likes because it's not the wave right now. That's the mm. saddest thing because man, when high school ends, when college ends and you're in the real world, with that job, and it's a job you fucking hate. You're going to be sad. You're going to be stuck. You're going to be sad. You're going to have regrets. That is facts. And I'm going to have to pause you right there. And even though you paused on your own, but the, the, the reality is, is, is uh, the, the, well, you were working two jobs and you were trying to build a YouTube channel and you think that you weren't working hard enough. What is that? Like that says something because usually if you're questioning, you're like, man, I'm not working hard. I'm not, you're probably, you, you probably are working hard. It's just to the, to, to yourself and your expectations it's yeah, you, you think you could do more and more and more, but that's what elevates you. That's what got you to where you are. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. That, it's impressive. Definitely. A lot of it's yeah. hindsight too, of course. Like I, yeah, I, I wish yeah. if I could go back in time. I would have worked harder in applying myself to like learning business structuring and scaling business more back then, things like that. But sure. you know, we are who we are at that time. So. Oh no, absolutely. And for those that don't know you, this was your full-time job, right? At one point it got to the point yeah, where you yeah. could do, you could, you were doing from, the YouTube thing full time, right? From 2012 all the way till I retired the channel in 2021. That was my full time job. Mm. Mm, crazy. So when you saw other channels popping up at that time, 2012 hits and you see Matt Ogis and you see whoever mm. else it is, I've just, that's the first one that comes to mind. But were you, uh, were you like, man, this, this is uh, getting kind of competitive here? Cause, you know, there's only so many channels that people will go and spend. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, viewing. I remember Matty Fizar was saying this because I had him on too. And he was saying that it's like, that's, that's what, that's why some channels start to dip because all these new channels start popping up. And it's like, there's only so much energy I'm going to spend watching a vlog or whatever. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't feel that because a lot of these channels came up like reaching out to me, like Matt okay. Ogus. I found him because he would tag me on Facebook <laughs> trying to promote his YouTube channel. And I actually had to message him. I messaged him and politely was like, dude, just take this as a tip. I was like, don't, don't tag people to get exposure. It's a really bad look. <laughs> and I, I was, I was nice about it. I was like, you got a great physique and I'm sure you're going to kill it. And we, we became friends then and we stayed in yes. touch. We stayed friends. But that, that, so Matt Ogus started off like kind of trying to like, you know, bump off me a little bit to get the views, which, right. and I mean that respectfully because Matt ended up surpassing me. And his channel did better than my channel um, and he deserved every ounce of it. Uh, but it's just like, that's how a lot, like that's how a lot of those channels started. They, like I was kind of like the top dog. A lot of them came up paying me respects and like reaching mm. out to me, looking up to me kind of as a channel, I mean. And so it was a really good first impression, I think. And then me, like I was never the type to feel competitive ever. I like, I would see these channels and if I saw somebody lo looking better than me or training better than me, like Matt Ogus, even if he was a smaller channel, I'd, I'd take inspiration from that. But like, I want to kind of try out my hand at some of that style content. And I'd give that a shot in my channel and like take inspiration from that. And I think that's what allowed me to stay active for so long on YouTube. I never really glued into like this one. This is my niche. It's this way or the highway. I really took a lot of inspiration and learned a lot from the newer channels. Like even Max Tuning, I started his channel. But then like I spent a lot of time... I credit him to keeping me alive and flourishing for those last several years because I was able to like watch him as he grew. He was a new channel in, a new, in the new generation and he found massive success in it. And I was able to watch his style of editing, of video content, of how he moved. And I really took from that and it helped me adapt and, and stay new and stay fresh as an old channel. I think had I not done that, I might've died out a while ago. Gotcha. And do you think that, especially now, 
like the editing and like you see like Jeff Nippert and it's like these are like movie productions, man. Like I was ta- yeah. I was talking to Elkins too, like Chris Elkins, who uh, you're familiar with, Chris Elkins, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. So he was saying he kind of stopped too because you know the whole do it on your phone thing is kind of like you can't really get away with that anymore like you could back in the day when you were doing the eating big series and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, that era is definitely gone. <laughs> it's gone, right? Like if you don't have a full production, like this is you need a guy, a camera guy, and it has to the editing has to be right. It's like can channels survive at this point doing just on the phone, like from your professional experience. Well, nowadays, yeah, if if someone knows how to edit and they're willing to put the effort in, they can film with their phone because the phone cameras mm-hmm. are really nice nowadays. That's true. Um, that's true. But that's the thing. It's like you still the keyword there is edit. Like you still can you just shoot a raw clip on your phone and then click upload like back no. in the day? <laughs> no, absolutely not. You got to do editing of some some to some extent. It has to look nice, especially mm-hmm. in fitness because it's such a visual thing. So no, you, you definitely want that presentation, that cinematic presentation. Even if it's vlog style, you still want it to look nice, crisp, and clean. You don't want it to look like it's just filmed on a potato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. What was one of your favorite uh, YouTube collabs? Like, uh, like when I mean, not um, necessarily because you did the Ronnie Coleman thing. You know that obviously, uh, I'm gonna assume that was your number one collab, right? That you've done. It's up there, man. I don't. I don't know. It's probably it's up there, right? One. Okay. Yeah, okay. So yeah, why don't you tell us? So what? What? Because you've done a lot. So uh, as far as like other channels or even you know some people you were inspired by, uh, what would you say? You know, give us like a, a couple, like top three or something that come to mind. Well, definitely the most meaningful collab is Ronnie. Ronnie is definitely up there. He might be number one. I'm not sure, but he's he's up there. Uh, the the first Scott Herman collab I ever did because oh, yes, that was in 2000. Right. So this was in 2012, right, right before, this is right after I quit my nine to five job for the last time ever. And right before I moved to Virginia, I got to collaborate with Scott Herman. And this was before collabs were a normal thing. So back then to collaborate was like this huge, oh my God, these two YouTube channels are together. Nowadays, it's like, it's normal. Like normal, YouTubers yeah. will like live together, but this was a huge deal. And to this point, Scott had been on YouTube since I think like 07 and he had never collabed with anybody ever and and he was like the big like the mac daddy of fitness youtube at that time so to be the first to collab with him ever and just to get to collab was like a massive deal back then i remember that was like that was huge it's so, funny you, br- you bring that up sorry i'm gonna just say something because i didn't hear no, about scott ahead. herman i didn't hear about scott herman until you collabed with him actually with oh, the really? reverse. yeah it was the reverse because um I, like you said he was around earlier and now i'm thinking i'm like man I, i'm pretty confident that it was because of the collaboration you did that I was like, Oh, who's this guy? Which is it's interesting. Cool how right? that works. It's yeah. cool how that works. Yeah. It's it just it not, early. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I was, I was definitely established by then. I, I had, this sounds so funny nowadays, but back then it was a lot, but I think I had like 20,000 subscribers back then when I collabed with him, which at the time was a big deal. Now that's like, cause I remember when I quit my job and moved out to Virginia, I, I think I had like, I think I had 33,000 subscribers. That's what it was. So I must've had about 30,000 when I collabed with Scott Herman. But that was right. enough to go and like quit my job on back That's then. That's crazy. Back then, so, yeah. So, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I was able to bring some eyes to his channel. Crazy how that works. I'd say him and Ronnie were two really awesome ones. Who else? I guarantee you after this podcast ends, I'm going to think of one and be like, oh, I should have said that. Uh, yeah. I have had a lot of fun in a lot of different collabs. Man. There's been a lot of different collabs that were so much fun. All the Mark Bell collabs. Mark Bell, that was a good one. My first time with Mark Bell at Super Training. This was a really right. cool one. This was my favorite lifting moment ever, actually. When the first time I squatted 585, I had been for background, I've been watching Mark Bell's 
super training videos for years leading up to this point, especially when I got into powerlifting in 2014. So I've been watching him religiously. I'd seen him have all these powerlifting legends in his gym. Eric Spoto, Jesse Norris. Like I, I've seen him have all these people, Stan Effort in the Rhino. And just these legends, man, these legends. They'd be in the gym lifting crazy ass weights, talking about it between sets. And I remember always thinking like, there's a fantasy of mine. I was like, man, to one day be strong enough and legit enough to like be invited on that show and like train on camera in his gym, train, be like in one of those episodes. Like that was like a dream for me. And I always fantasize, like, because I, I watched a lot of the squatting videos. I, uh, the squat was like my favorite lift when I was powerlifting. So I, I remember watching uh, Jesse Norris. I think he squatted 725 for two on Mark yeah. Bell's channel, weighing like 195 or something like that. I remember thinking, like, man, it'd be so cool if I went on Mark Bell's uh, channel and hit like some big milestone on squat for the first time ever. And so for the longest time, 585, which is six plates in the US at six 45 pound plates on either side of the bar. The big six wheels, that was like the big, big goal for me. I wanted that so bad. 600 pounds was obviously the big goal, but 585 came first. So they hit me up to bring me out, Mark Bell. I was amped. They flew me out in 2018, this was, I think. Yeah, this is, the first one was 2019. Maybe it was 19. It was 18 or 19. Damn. I got flown out for the first time ever. And they're like, okay, you're going to squat on camera on this day. And I'm like, ooh, let's go. And I've been training. Crazy. I've been training. So like, this is going to be it. So I went and I, I squatted the big six wheels, the 585, for my first time ever. And I was above the moon. So I first, there's so many things here. A. I hit this massive milestone, which I would have been proud at no matter where I hit it. I hit the big six wheels finally at that time, 585. Yes. Amped about that. B, I had Mark Bell himself, living legend, behind me, spotting me the whole time. Yes. C, I'm in super training gym, the famous super training gym, using the same orange plates I had watched so many legends lift on prior, and the same monolift and everything, where legends have been lifting, I'm there doing it. And then C or D or whatever letter I'm on, I, as I'm squatting, there's like, this pile of humans and cameras surrounding me with like DMX or so I'm getting mixed up on which visits. Cause I, I squatted two different times. Now DMX was the first one. I believe Eminem was the second time, but I believe okay. it was DMX the first time I had DMX blasting there and, and this crowd of cameras, multiple cameras around me filming this whole thing. The adrenaline was like inexplicable. That was, that was the coolest moment of my lifting career. I think to hit that major milestone, to do it with Mark Bell, to do it in his gym, to do it on camera with all those cameras around me. Um, that was definitely one of my favorite collabs ever. It sounds like it, man. And and do you remember the track? Because you mentioned DMX and Eminem. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. I know I know. the second time I went up there, the following year, I squatted 600. I had already hit, hit 600 before, but I did it again there with Mark Bell. That time, that was another fun time. That time, Eminem's Till I Collapse was playing. Oh, okay. The yeah, first yeah. time, the first time it was DMX. It might have been X going to give it to you. I can't remember if it was that or if it was. That shit gets you hype, man. That's yeah, why. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it was X going to give it to you. I think that's okay. the DMX song it was. And in it, the, the chorus kicked in. Oh, man. Oh, man. It was that's, so why you, that's why you nailed it, man. You had the, you had the legends in the background. Said, Yo, <laughs> top, give, give us your top five. We've done this. I'm putting up 10. Give us your top five because we've had this on the podcast before. I've asked a few guys who I know are hip hop heads yeah. like myself. Yep. What's, give us your top five. Okay. So I've thought about this before. 
my top five go by who I found myself listening to the most as opposed to a category because you can break hip hop into too many categories. Who's the top five lyrically? Who's the top five with energy? You know, so just top five as far as like who I've always gone back and forth to. Eminem number one for me, hands down all day. And now maybe not necessarily in any order now. Mob Deep. Okay. Love Mob Deep, especially the old 95 Mob Deep. Uh, Lil Wayne, the old mixtape era Lil Wayne. Uh, Oh, wow. Like Hot Boys. Yeah, yeah, a little bit <laughs> after Hot Boys. I oh, love yeah, like yeah. the uh, swag surfing, no ceilings era. The Carter yeah, a was a good one. Set. The original Carter, like that was. Yes, a yes, yeah, and a lot of the stuff he did with Dipset back then too. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, the old Gucci man. I love Gucci. The old stuff. Oh wow! Oh, I remember old they used Gucci. to bump to that in your video. Yeah, yeah, I love Holy old smoke. Gucci. Gucci man, wow! He hasn't been brought up in a while, man. In my yeah, I'm gonna have to, bump, gonna have to put him on my Spotify now. I'm like, yeah, lemonade, yeah. icy. I gotta bring yeah, those. Yeah, back. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, oh yeah. He his also even up until like 2013, like his uh, trap house three was was a good mixtape. that had I have like to check nobody on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and plug my cousin as as number five. Yeah. Jay Wright. Jay Wright. Okay. He's actually he's actually sick ass music. I gotta give family a plug, but he he's uh he's he has like as many views as I do on on YouTube. He has on Spotify now. Oh shit! I'm after. I'll check. Yeah, him out. he's opened up for some pretty big names. He's like toured and stuff like that. He he's they, his music's been used in a Netflix show now. Oh wow! Yeah, no, that's, he, that's he's, big. He's, he's legitimate. He's legitimate. His music's really good. Um, so Jay Wright, I'm gonna put him put him as fifth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's awesome. Man. I thought you were going to say you didn't throw DMX in your list. Did you? No, nah, he, I love DMX. I had all his albums and I can rap a lot of his, uh, I mean, he's, he's phenomenal, but yeah, yeah, I just don't find myself going and listening to him that often. Like he comes on mm. the gym and I love it, but if I'm going by just who I listen to like a lot, that's probably why I can't think of the fifth one. I think with rap, those are like the five I cycle between a lot. If I listen okay. to music anymore. No, no, that's a good one. I, that's how I do my top five is through what I'm listening to on Spotify yeah. regularly and or, or who I'm going back to, like you mentioned. Uh, Eminem's got a new album dropping, right? Isn't that, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't paid too much attention to his new stuff because I'm not a huge fan of it now. Oh, no. <laughs> remember, when I so, said, remember when I said, like, I, I'll always be a fan of him because it's Eminem, he's a legend. He, he, yeah, he's yeah. grandfathered into my mind as, a, as the GOAT. Yes. Yeah, and I'll always forever respect him. But uh, yeah, when I was saying, like, artists sometimes like you just kind of wish they'd retire like lovingly mm. i mean kamikaze was amazing by eminem I was gonna kamikaze, say. that that was i liked that one a lot like his his verse on not alike he had that like that anger and that old eminem voice <laughs> yes uh, that was so sick but um I, i'm just i he's still like amazing talent like lyrically but i just can't get into like this chill kind of new choppy overly lyrically flow he has like i miss like that grit that used to be in his voice Hey man, everything evolves. Even Nick Wright evolves, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll never knock. He's always, he's always the goat to me forever. So. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny. Even for the ladies, um, uh, what was the album he did before Kamikaze again? It's, it's, it's where he did Believe he a, and he did the, the collabs. With Walk Kamikaze. on Water. Walk yeah, on Water. What was yeah. that called again? That album? Revi- uh, no, what, what, revival. 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 Yeah, revival. Yep. Hey man, for the ladies, that's a that's an epic album. My girl <laughs> loves that album, you know. So and that's you know funny. That's like, facts. That's a good album. I like it to be honest. I can't remember many songs from that album because I didn't listen no? to it much after it came out because okay because Walk on Water was such a disappointment to me. But that's the thing I was going to say for the ladies, it's all right, you know. Like my girlfriend loves. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's, it's a got smooth the, song. Smooth, you know. Good the chorus. Smooth got song. the ladies coming in. It's like it's more chill, you know. One of my favorite artists is not rap, but one of my favorite artists of all times is actually The Weeknd. So funny story. I don't know if it's funny. It just kind of 
it's funny how we do this, but I, I didn't know him personally, but he went to my high school. Uh, the we, uh, Did he really? Yeah, 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 yeah. He went to my high school and he dropped out early. Yeah. Holy from, crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's really crazy. cool. <laughs> Bro, my high school produced like epic, either celebrities, professional athletes. It's crazy because we were like a, we were a sports school primarily, but I don't know how the weekend kind of came out. You know, he just kind of came out of nowhere with that. But yeah, yeah man, it's crazy. Our, my high school was epic for that. It's We got Olympic what athletes. What high school was that? Uh, Birchmount Park Collegiate in Scarborough, <laughs> Scarborough, Ontario. Represent Birchmount. If anyone's that's listening, crazy. hit me up, man. I, I want to know if you're listening to the podcast. Birchmount Park, that's where it's at. That's awesome, um, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But so you love his music. You know, he's got, I do like his songs a lot, actually. I have to be in the mood for it, obviously, but it's, uh, I'll, I'll jam to it, man, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm like an original, like, uh, I got the trilogy and Kissland, like my two favorite albums, like mm. his old stuff there. Super yes. dark. I love it. It's awesome. But yeah, you definitely have to be in the, like, if you're in like a DMX mood, you're not going to want to put on the weekend. No, no, <laughs> but man, his talent is just insane. And, yes. and the production of his music is just amazing. And he's original, man. No one was doing it like that. Like, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, unique. Yeah, very, very. His own style completely. And uh, and and the, even the collabs he did with Drake, that was pretty epic. Like, yeah, the, the, yeah. The he wrote album. he wrote a lot of Drake's album. That Take Care album. He wrote a lot of that. Yes, yes. That's a that's a good album. I really like that album. Yeah, um, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. We we covered quite a bit. I'm trying to think now if there was like anything else kind of I wanted to touch on um, briefly, but unless you got to go, like you got to fly. No, the one thing I just realized I never answered for you because we yeah. started talking about something else. Yes. Was you had asked, you had asked what I thought about like looking up to like Ronnie Coleman as inspiration, even yes, though he's not natty. Right. And like if I had any natty inspirations, there were natural bodybuilders I looked up to a lot or that I admired a lot. I should say I didn't look up to like uh, Jim Cardova uh, mm. was an old WMBF pro with amazing genetics. Yes. Uh, Brian Whitaker, Brian Whitaker was a smaller guy, but shredded beyond belief. Those were natural guys, natural pros. But honestly, for me, the thing was like, I never, ever got hung up in, in natural or not natural ever. For me, like Ronnie and those guys were just fucking massive and strong. And that was enough. That was motivation for me in the gym. I wanted to strive to be like that. Yes. Even after I realized they were on stuff and after I realized that the genetics, like even if I went on stuff, I couldn't be like them because their genetics are just one out of a trillion. Right. Still, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter, matter at all. I still, you see them and you go into the gym, you put those blinders on and like you just want to strive to be like them. In your mind, every time you curl, you're feeling that that bicep explode. You're picturing yes. you growing it to their size. I never gave a fuck about whether anyone was natural or not natural. If you look <laughs> awesome and you're strong, that's yes. motivating me. I want to be like you. Whether I can or not, whether I'll actually hit there or not, I'm not focusing on that. I'm just focusing on the fact that I want to be like you, you and now I'm going to bust my ass to get like you to the best of my ability. Bro, I love that because I think, you know, sometimes that's ripped away from people because of the reality and whatnot, but it's like, that's not the point. The point is, does that excite you? Does that get you hyped to go in the gym and crush it? Like for me, for the longest time, and even to this day, like if I see a picture, I'm, I get hyped for some reason. I want to go train. It was like Mike Menser, the Menser brothers, the high intensity. Yeah. yeah. Like that was, yep. the, that would that used to hype me up, man. And it still does. If I'm, like I said, if I'm like those old clips or whatnot, sometimes I'll just yeah. throw them on for like a minute or two and I'm like hype and I want to go train. It's that retro old school vibe, you know? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So I can relate, man. I could totally relate. Um, but man, no, this was, this was great. Oh, this is what I was going to, this is, this is, this will be good. Just last thing was you mentioned genetics. You, it was brought up a lot just for the listeners. What do you think determines in your opinion for your own body? Why do you feel that you didn't have the good genetics to go further or want to pursue, you know, that world championships or the pro card? Like what was it 
about your physique in terms of the Gen NX? Because you got badass arms, you got crazy legs. Like, what was it for you, though? Thank you. Yeah, I, I had a. I mean, I have areas that are definitely strong, but like, so for people that don't know, genetics is like how nature designed you. Like genetics is the material nature gave you to work with. Everyone can apply themselves, put in the work, put in the time, put in the discipline and build their materials to the best of their ability. But you're still only going to be working with the materials you were given by nature. Perfect example being is like, I could swim laps every single day for the rest of my life. I'm never going to be able to compete with Michael Phelps because if by nature, his design is better for swimming. He's, he's not only tall, but if you look at his body breakdown, like his torso to his leg ratio, even those dimensions are unique for someone, his height. And they're like perfect for swimming. Uh, the way his lungs like utilize oxygen is like twice as efficient as the average human. You can train to improve your lungs as he does, but that's like a, a function that he was just blessed with. So he was given these tools that are phenomenal for swimming. And he worked his ass off and was trained to make the most out of them. My tools are not as great for swimming. I could build them up and become good at swimming for sure, but I'm never going to match him. That's how it goes with anything. LeBron James in basketball. I'm never going to have what he has. Whether you like LeBron or not, I'm talking just strictly physical body here. I'm I'm not six foot nine. So it's the same thing with bodybuilding. Bodybuilding genetics dictates muscle insertions, meaning like how – you know, sometimes you see people, their shoulder rounds out and then like slices into their tricep beautifully. It's like this mm. clean, like cut divot between the tricep and the shoulders and the shoulders round out like balls. Like everyone can train to improve that on themselves. Cause we all have shoulders that tie into our triceps and stuff, but like the shape to have that specific roundness, that muscle belly roundness, that's genetic. Uh, a bicep peak. Like I had really good bicep peaks. I had like short peaks. Arnold Schwarzenegger has great, great peaks as well. A short bicep head. There's a gap between our elbow and our bicep. And you can't train for that. You either have that peak or you don't have that peak. If you don't have a peak, you can train to make your biceps bigger and they'll improve. And maybe more of a peak look starts to form, but you're never going to have a peak shaped bicep. Uh, Just the same way I'm never going to be six foot nine, no matter how I train. It's just the shape of our muscles. It's what you're born with. So that's what genetics mean and refer to. And some people, and it can go to smaller details. Like some people genetically stay really lean. Like, like, like Ronnie Coleman, he, he took like a genetics test and like, no matter how fat he gets, like his arms just stay like 4% body fat. It's just genetics. He doesn't, something he's born with is a gift. Uh, right. Muscle mass can be that too. So with bodybuilding, like you ideally want really like narrow hips and really wide clavicles, wide shoulders, but, but skeletally wide. Again, everyone can work to make their shoulders bigger muscularly and get it wider that way, but it's only going to go so far. But you want that X factor. I don't have that. I have wide hips. I have a short, stubby torso. I have very, very narrow clavicles. The only reason my shoulders don't look super narrow regularly is because I've worked them to become bigger. But you can see it like when I do a relaxed pose. Compare my relaxed pose to someone like Christian Guzman, who does have a good X frame, just or, or like a Jeff Side. It's just two totally different looks. My chest I had no pronunciation. Again, I got it thicker. I got it to grow through heavy training. But it just never had that bubbly boob thick look that like Arnold Schwarzenegger has. Shoulders, again, just a weak spot. I never had strong shoulders structurally or looks-wise, developmentally. I, I improved them. Again, as people people take it so black and white. People hear, oh, I see arguments online all the time. Oh, I don't have good genetics, blah, blah, blah. I just work hard, da, da, da. Or that's not genetics. That's just years of hard work. It's like mm. everyone can work hard to improve and look better. You can take these things and make them stronger, yes. But 
there's a limit. Like I just will never have the type of frame and the shape of muscles to be a Jay Cutler, no matter what drugs I ever got on or anything. And that's okay, but that's, it's just kind of being realistic in that regard. And, and bodybuilding is very genetic dependent. Like you only the best genetics can become good enough to get their pro card. And only the 1% of those become good enough to actually be like top dogs. Uh, it's, it's good that you, bro- you broke that down because, you know, sometimes, yeah, we become a little bit, not naive, but some, maybe we just don't know. Right. And like you said, you, you do this thing and there's pros to that because sometimes ignorance is bliss in that regard. Like yeah. you're going in the gym, you're training hard. You're like, you're not even thinking about, like, I don't think I really started understanding that or, or wanted to, to, you know, be like, okay, this is what I got to work with probably until I was like maybe 25 or something like that. I'm like, okay, this is, this is what I got to work with. Not that I'm not going to continue to make these things stronger, but in terms of, like you said, I'm never going to have or what you were saying, sorry, you're never going to have super wide clavicles. Like that's your structure, man. That's your skill. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, no. Cool, man. And uh, last thing, this is how we'll end it off. If you're cool with this, uh, Nick, your art, let's like, is that the direction you're, are you trying to do that? Like uh, as a, as, is it just a hobby right now? Is it a work thing? What, what do you, what's the the future look like for? It was just a hobby. It was just a hobby. I was doing it. I started doing it in 2022, the start of this year, January, just between trading to keep my head cool between trades, did it for a few months on my own, never really shared it or anything. And then I think I showed my barber one day because he's big into art. And then he asked me to do something for him. So I drew something for him. I didn't charge him for it or anything. He was blown away, told me I should start sharing my art and that people would pay for it. So I was like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. So eventually I made a page for it. Fine point sketch on Instagram, shared it. And the support I got was outrageous. It was just insane. And right away, people started hitting me up and and commissioning me, like paying me to like draw things for them, whether it was like family portraits, pet portraits, or just portraits of like their favorite sports athlete or whatever. And uh, it blew up and I became super busy doing that. It was crazy. Then I started making a TikTok for it, fine point sketch on TikTok and YouTube. And I don't, I don't know how to word this. I take it seriously as far as the process of drawing goes. I love yep. it, but I don't take like the social media part of it seriously because like I'm just putting it putting it out there. If no one watches it, awesome. If people watch it, awesome. But it was pretty cool because like one of the TikToks I put out there off the bat got like 240 something thousand views on it and like it's just pretty cool the support it's gotten. So that it, it was something that kind of just fell out of out of nowhere. <laughs> Wow. Holy smokes. And now you're making money with it. So is that, um, and you're doing the trading thing. So I guess, is that, is that cause now the YouTube thing is, is done. So I guess that's kind of yeah. where you're going. You're going as far as profession wise. I, I'm assuming you're cool to answer this one. I could always take this out if you'd, you'd rather not talk. Yeah. About yeah. It. Yeah. No, right now that's, that's been it. And I'm still keeping my eyes open and moving into uh, new potential things too. Okay. That I, I'll, we can discuss once they're in fruition. I don't, I don't want to talk about ideas before they're actually in motion. Of course. But um, but yeah, no, that's that's been the, the big bread and butter. It's just uh trading and art. And again, the art was never even intended. That was just like a side thing that kind of just grew legs on its own, which is really cool. But that wasn't even, I had no intention of that happening, but it's been awesome that it has happened. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm gonna link it again. I'll link all of it in the description. So if you want to go check out the art, which is really cool because I've seen you do some really epic drawings. I'm trying Thank to think, you. did you, you did the Harry, did you do the Harry Potter one, yeah. right? Didn't you do? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, did yeah, uh, yeah. Dumbledore and Hagrid both. Yeah. Yes, for, anybody listening, mind. for anybody listening, I do, I do pencil drawings. So it's all with a pencil and uh photorealism is my goal. So I try to make everything as, as real, like, you know, I want the per, the picture and the, the person in the picture to look like it's a photograph almost, you know, so very realistic drawing. 
Yeah, it's epic, epic. Again, link in the description, check it out. Um, but I think I think we did a lot, man, and I appreciate your time, truly. Of course, yeah, thank, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, and um, if uh, again, for those listening, we appreciate you, of course, tuning in once again to another episode of the Longevity Muscle Podcast. Until next time. Mm-hmm.